This is your morning wake-up call on Sports Country. Grab a cup of coffee and hang with us every weekday morning for the latest news, sports, and other things going on around the world and in your backyard. Now, here's your host, Gene Gums. Well, good morning, everybody. It's six minutes past nine o'clock here in Hayesville, North Carolina. Welcome to a Thursday morning wake-up call on Sports Country Radio, ninth day of February, 2023. It's National Pizza Day. I'll tell you what, if, 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 if you told me that I could only have one food for the rest of my life, it would be pizza. I, honest to God, I am a, a pizza nut. It, that's one of the hardest things uh, moving down here was for me is uh, down here in the mountains of western North Carolina, it was finding good pizza. It was brutal. I finally found a guy. Uh, it's called Sal's Brooklyn Pizza. The guy's not actually from Brooklyn. He's from the Bronx. But he lived in Connecticut. He used to work at the Electric Boat right near um, – where I grew up and uh, lived in uh, Salem, Connecticut, of all places. But uh, he makes New York-style pizza. It's pretty good, I find. So thank God. But I could eat pizza every day. I really could. My waistline wouldn't like it. Uh, I mean, pizza's so versatile. Think about it. I mean, the different toppings, the different sauces. I mean, it's just uh, just the world's most perfect food, in my opinion. Uh, Before we get to sports, and we've got uh, plenty of things to talk about this morning, especially in the NBA, and... I'm going to have to spend more time talking about the NBA than I usually do, but uh, don't have a lot of choice. There were some uh, big trades in the NBA yesterday, so we will talk about uh, all that uh, coming up here in a minute. But I got a couple of a couple of rants I got to go on this morning. I was um, I get a newsletter, uh, sport, mostly sports newsletter, every morning called A Cup of Coffee. It's written by uh, Craig Calcaterra. He lives in Ohio. It's pretty good. I mean, you know, he he goes. He's a little bit too left wing for me at times, uh, but uh, his sports stuff is pretty good. He's got some interesting takes on some stuff. Um, but what got my blood boiling this morning was uh, the fact that he was talking about a county in Florida, Duval County in Florida, which is the county that Jacksonville, Florida, is in. Duval County has flagged 176 books in their classrooms and libraries that have now been essentially banned. Included in these two books, and this is why I'm, I'm, I'm talking about it, it's our sports books on Hank Aaron and Roberto Clemente. Now, if you can find two more revered guys in Major League Baseball – in, in its history, and I mean, by revered, I don't just mean their ability to play. I mean their character, how beloved they were, how they carried themselves as human beings. Uh, in Henry Aaron's case, how he carried himself as a man after leaving baseball. Baseball has two of its biggest awards named after these two guys, yet the Duval County in Florida has decided that books for children, these are children's books, they're written for kids in elementary school, these books are too controversial 
for them to read. The book about Henry Aaron is called Henry Aaron's Dream. Let me just read you, uh, read you a, a just one paragraph. Before he was Hammer and Hank, Henry Aaron was a young boy growing up in Mobile, Alabama with what seemed like a foolhardy dream to be a big league baseball player. He didn't have a bat, he didn't have a ball, and there wasn't a single black player in the major leagues, but none of this could stop him. That's controversial in Duval County. Why? Because it talks about racism. Unbelievable. Same thing, Roberto Clemente. On an island called Puerto Rico, there lived a little boy who wanted only to play baseball. Although he had no money, Roberto Clemente practiced and practiced until eventually he made it to the major leagues. As a right fielder for the Pittsburgh Pirates, he fought tough opponents and even tougher racism. But with his unreal catches and swift feet, he earned the nickname The Great One. That is too controversial for Duval County, and so that book has been banned in their schools. It is unbelievable. Uh, Included in these 176 books are books about Rosa Parks, about Japanese internment camps during World War II, about how we uh, took our own citizens that were of Japanese descent and put them in internment camps it's just horrific. It's what we did to our own citizens because they were Japanese. But we can't talk about that in Duval County. And books about Hurricane Katrina. Why? Because it wiped out a lot of the lower Ninth Ward and a lot of the uh, black neighborhoods. So we can't talk about that in Duval County. This is unbelievable. And how do they get away with this? It's because the state of Florida, last July passed a book requiring books in classroom libraries to, quote, be approved and selected by a media specialist. And that any parent, stakeholders, or community members are able to fill out a reconsideration of media materials form on the Duval County Public website. So parents that are racist or that are morons or that can barely dress themselves can go on to a website, by the way, congratulations for being able to do that, and fill out a form and say, my kids shouldn't hear about Henry Aaron and Roberto Clemente because I don't want them to know that, that we're racist. Are you kidding me? 176 books. Some of them are about, uh, you know, uh, sexual orientation, all that. Yeah, look, you know, because we want to we wanna have our children be as narrow-minded as we are. So we're going to make sure they can't read any of these books and learn about this other stuff. And Are you kidding me? Anytime somebody tells me they want to move to Florida, regardless of the fact that they've got uh, a, a, a guy that's going to run against Donald Trump, Ron DeSantis, who, by the way, is more dangerous than Donald Trump. He's just as bigoted and is and his, uh, 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 he's just he's he's just like Trump. Here's the difference: Ron DeSantis is smart. Donald Trump is a moron, and that's who runs this state. So every time somebody wants to move to Florida, I was like, "Are you kidding me?" Think about Duval County. Why don't you go move to Duval County? Take your kids down to Duval County. Manatee County has done the same thing. Other counties in Florida are doing the same thing, just not to the extent that Duval County has. And, you know, knowing this, you'd think maybe Major League Baseball might want to step in and say, hey, what's the matter with you people? I mean, these are 
two revered players in the history of Major League Baseball. Can you imagine the furor that would happen if, if, if let's say, a school board in the inner city somewhere run by uh, a black uh, superintendent of schools and, and black school board members decided to ban a book about Babe Ruth because he was white? People would lose their ever-loving minds. But two paragons of Major League Baseball, two great citizens. Roberto Clemente died, folks, on a uh, in a plane crash on a, a humanitarian mission in Nicaragua to take care of people uh, after a natural disaster. That's how he died. Henry Aaron faced the racism that he had to face while he was chasing down Babe Ruth's record was horrific. The way that he carried himself both on the field, off the field, and after baseball, we should all live a life like that. One of my most prized possessions is an autograph. It's a letter I got from Henry Aaron. There was an article when I was much younger about the chase that he was going on and what he went through. And he was out of baseball by then working at CNN, and I wrote to him and told him that that I thought it was terrible, and, and as a white person, I was ashamed. And I got a very nice letter back from him, Hand sign. It's one of my most prized possessions. But that's what we're gonna. That's what we're gonna teach our children in Duval County is that that these that we we don't want them to know about these great great men. Unbelievable. I, now I got to give credit. There's a a bookstore in Jacksonville, Florida, uh, called Chamblin Bookmine, and they have another uh, they have another branch in the middle of the city. It's called uh, Chamblin Uptown, I think it's called. So what they did. They added a display in their two bookstores of all the banned books from Duval County. And in in there, they included pamphlets with how to contact your state legislator and the school officials and uh, the school board members. And Good for them. But are you kidding me? Gives me another reason why I can't get out of Florida fast enough. And I was just down there to visit a family friend. And, you know... She actually was thinking, she's 85 years old, and she's still thinking about leaving Florida because of Ron DeSantis, because of stuff like this. I have a stepson that lives down there. My college, one of my college roommates lives in Florida. Uh, a good friend of mine, a couple of friends of mine that I went to college with and high school with live in Florida. I don't know how they can reconcile living in a state like that, and I know these men. These men are not. Uh, are not the kind of people that would condone something like this. I, I, I mean, is it is the weather really is the warm weather worth it? Living in a place like that, you know. And I know I live in the South now, and there's a lot of things that happen down here that don't happen up north. But I can tell you what: we're not banning books here in Hayesville, North Carolina. And I'd like to think. You know, and, and you look, there was a map I saw online of uh, all the banned books around the country. What amazed me, and, and a number of banned books in each state, what amazed me, cause my first reaction was going to be, well, it's probably a southern thing. You know, it's probably a red state, blue state thing. It's not. I looked on the map, and there's it's all over the country. It's unbelievable. That's just a couple in New England. 
the upper Midwest, you know, I think Michigan and uh, Minnesota. I mean, it's not just in the South. It's, you know, it's crazy. More than half of the states in this country have banned some books. It's like something out of Fahrenheit 451, the old Ray Bradbury science fiction book. Something out of Nazi Germany. We don't do that here. What the hell is the matter with people? Okay, that's rant number one. Whew. Had to get that out of it. Boy, I, and, I, and it was funny. I was sitting last night saying, hey, I don't know what I'm going to talk about. You know, and then, of course, the two big trades happened. So, okay, I, I could fill 15, 20 minutes with that. And then I saw this thing this morning with the books, and I just lost my mind. Uh, another thing that crossed uh, my news feed yesterday, Elijah Wood, uh, the actor, probably best known for uh, uh, for playing uh, Frodo in uh, the Lord of the Rings series done by Peter Jackson, uh, The Hobbit. And uh, AMC Theaters has a new policy. I don't know if you've heard about this where they are going to charge more money for the best seats in the house. So if you want to sit, when you go to a movie theater, a lot of people like to sit like, you know, about halfway, two-thirds of the way back and in the middle, figuring that gives them the best view of the screen. AMC Theaters is now going to charge you more for that. It's called Sightline. So, and, and if you want to sit down front, you pay less. If you sit on the sides, you pay a little bit less. But if you want to sit in the middle, it's a premium seat. They're going to raise your ticket price. Are you kidding me? The theaters were dying to get people in during the pandemic. And the people the number of people returning to theaters still hasn't reached the level that it did prior to the pandemic. I know we've had some big blockbusters and people are going for that. But this to me is just idiocy. Idiocy. And another way to try to screw people, it's like this dynamic ticket pricing thing that they have for the big shows. Based on demand, ticket prices go up. That's why some seats for Bruce Springsteen shows were going for $5,000. It happens at the Grand Ole Opry in Nashville. Boy, did that piss me off. They list the ticket prices for each section you know, in the Grand Ole Opry, and it only seats about 3,000 people. So there's a ticket price based on where your seat is. Well, those ticket prices are only, like, in the beginning. Once that show seems to be more and more popular, those ticket prices increase exponentially. It's unbelievable. They're doing this for every big show now. And now we have a movie theater doing it. It just gives people more reason to stay home and watch Netflix or, or any whatever streaming service, Hulu, whatever you have, and wait for it to come out on one of the streaming services. To pay pay extra to sit in a in a seat in the middle of the of the theater. Are you kidding me? And by the way, pay thirty dollars for a box of popcorn. Unreal. Okay, I feel better. Uh, let's get to sports. Uh, a couple of big trades. We'll start with the. Uh, um, I, I guess it'd be considered a lesser trade. Uh, the Los Angeles Lakers last night uh, agreed to a deal to trade Russell Westbrook. To Utah, uh, it's a three-team deal. They're they're sending Russell Westbrook to Utah, and they are getting guard D'Angelo Russell back from Minnesota. It's a three-team, eight-player deal. Uh, the the Lakers are also going to get uh, Malik Beasley, 
and uh, Jared Vanderbilt from the Jazz. And uh, th- they're hoping that Russell and, and these other two guys will kind of help, uh, you know, give them a better group around LeBron James and get them a chance to get into the playoffs. They're in danger of not making the playoffs for the second straight year. They're 25 and 30, despite the fact LeBron James set the scoring record the other night. They're in 13th place right now in a 15-team Western Conference. Uh, Lakers are also sending Juan Toscano-Anderson and Damian Jones and their first pick in 2027 to Utah uh, with Westbrook. Look, uh, Westbrook was the 2017 MVP. He came to the Lakers, um, and, uh, he didn't last very long. He's, uh, he just never really kind of got going. He averaged 17 points, seven assists, about seven rebounds a game and four turnovers a game, by the way, in his time uh, with the Lakers. And he's 34 years old. Now he's making $47 million. You're paying $47 million for 17 points, 7 rebounds, and 7 assists a game. That's unbelievable. Uh, and he is scheduled to be a free agent at the end of the year. Uh, Laker fans have been begging the Lakers to get rid of The problem is getting rid of a $47 million contract is not easy. But the good news is, you know, for, uh, uh, t- for Utah is that it's a rental. And, look, if he can contribute, that would be great for Utah. They are, I think, in fourth place now in the Western Conference. Maybe they can improve their uh, their standing a little bit. They're trying to keep pace with, look, what the, you know, what the Knicks, or not the Knicks, the, uh, the Dallas Mavericks just did in getting Kyrie Irving. You know, so they're trying to jumpstart their team a little bit and try to stay ahead um, of Dallas. Uh, you know, look, it, it's a trade that could work out for everybody, uh, if nothing else, uh, Westbrook, who has been a malcontent with the Lakers, who is a a frequent target of Laker fans, um, so uh, you know this could be this could work out for everybody. The blockbuster trade of the day happened when the Brooklyn Nets completed dismantling their team. They are trading Kevin Durant to the Phoenix Suns. Uh, the Suns are also are going to uh, send Jay Crowder to the Nets, along with a bunch of draft picks. Brooklyn will also get four unprotected first-round picks in 2023, 25, 27, and 29, and then they're going to swap the 28 pick. And uh, T.J. Warren is also going from the Nets to Phoenix in the deal. So Kevin Durant, uh, who is in the first year of a four-year, $194 million extension that he signed uh, in August of 2021. Think about this. In August of 2021, less than two years ago, the Brooklyn Nets had Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and James Harden. That was the three that were supposed to win them multiple championships. They won exactly one playoff series with these guys. And all three of them are now gone. Harden, of course, went to the 76ers uh, that, uh, in the package that sent Ben Simmons to Brooklyn last year. Uh, Durant right now is hurt, by the way. So he's going to Phoenix, but he's not going to be able to play probably until the end of the month. Uh, he's got a, an MCL sprain. He played 39 games this year. 
So the first game for the Suns after the All-Star break is February 24th, and that's about when they thought that Durant would be ready to come back. Uh, so now, if you're the net, if you're a Nets fan, <laughs> you know, I mean, I I don't know, you know, what what do you have? What do you have? You have Ben Simmons. You know, you're going to look at this team and go, wow. You know, you're going to take your lumps for the rest of the year. You know, and the funny part is, is you know, they they were in the middle. They were in the middle of the pack in the Eastern Conference. Well, that's not going to that's not going to last. And now you hope that these first round picks that you're going to get from from Phoenix, uh, the, the, they're getting a first-round pick for Kyrie Irving, but it's not, I don't think, until 2029. I mean, down the road, they're going to have all kinds of, of draft you know, capital. But right now, uh, it's going to be some lean days. And for the Phoenix Suns, uh, look, we knew they were going to be active. They got a brand-new owner. Uh, Matt Ishbia was just confirmed as the new majority owner on Monday. And they haven't really done much in Phoenix under the old owner, Robert Sarver, who was actually suspended for a year uh, and fined a million dollars because of a toxic work environment. Uh, uh, and, and you know, so we knew something was going to happen. A lot of people thought Kevin Durant was going to go to the New York Knicks. And there's a lot of Knicks fans today very, very disappointed uh, that Kevin Durant is not there. But he is headed west to Phoenix. And by the way, come to find out, uh, that was really his preferred destination. That's where he wanted to go was Phoenix. So he got his way. Uh, and Phoenix is now saddled with the rest of that contract. And if, hey, Look, and if they can keep him healthy and keep him happy, good luck, could work out pretty well for him. Uh, speaking of uh, the, the Nets, Kyrie Irving made his debut for Dallas last night. I watched the first half of this game. Uh, and uh, Kyrie Irving scored 24 points and uh, helped the Mavericks beat the Clippers last night. Uh, he was on fire starting the game. Uh, Dallas jumped out. I think it was a 21 to nine lead. Hit a couple of threes early. Uh, they never trailed. They won the game 110 104. Um, but uh, they had a 13 0 run early in the game. They opened it up, and uh, he had back to back threes, and uh, they kind of pulled away and then hold on to win at the end. Uh, they scored 41 points in the first quarter. That doesn't hurt. So you know, good start for them. Uh, and when they get Luka Doncic back, which they expect to be sometime in the next week or so, uh, this is going to be a very, very dangerous Dallas Mavericks team. Uh, the Celtics last night beat the 76ers 106-109 to extend their lead uh, in the Eastern Conference. The Celtics still with the best record in the NBA, uh, and, but it was a costly victory. Uh, last night, going for a rebound underneath the basket, Jalen Brown and and uh, uh, Jason Tatum got together, and Tatum hit Jalen Brown in the face with an elbow as they were both going for the rebound. Jalen Brown had to leave the game immediately, and it is suspected that he has a facial fracture. So he is going to miss some time. So he ends up having to leave the game. Uh, he's been hurt a lot lately, and uh, now the Celtics, with the best record, are going to have to ask some other people to step up and step up. Last night they did because Jason Tatum last night only had 12 points. He did have nine rebound or nine assists and eight rebounds, but uh, you know this is a guy that's been throwing in 30 a game. Only had 12 points last night, but wh- how about Blake Griffin getting a start last night and bangs five threes? 
Uh, Grant Williams had 15 points, eight rebounds last night. Grant Williams limped off at the end of that Celtics game in the fourth quarter. Uh, with under a minute to go, there was a collision out around the three-point line. He ends up going down and limps off. Hopefully he's okay. They don't need him to get hurt again. Uh, but the Celtics were hot last night, hit 19 of 35 from three-point range. And uh, they, as they said, they extend their lead, and uh, they get to host Charlotte on Friday. It is 30 minutes past. Yeah, we're going to take a break. When we come back, some historic news uh, at the University of Connecticut. We're back in a minute. You're listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country. It's 32 minutes past the hour. Welcome back to The Wake Up Call here on a Thursday morning. So uh, something happened to the University of Connecticut's women's basketball team that had not happened in 30 years. What, you might ask? They lost back-to-back games. They lost last night to Marquette on the road, 59-52. to Think about that for a minute. They had not lost back-to-back games since they lost to Providence College in the Big East semifinals in March of 1993. And then that was followed up with a first-round loss to Louisville in the first round of the NCAA tournament. That is the last time they lost back-to-back games. A, that's remarkable. I can't imagine that ever being duplicated. But B, it speaks to how bad the competition was in women's basketball. It's gotten a lot better, you know, up and down. Uh, you know, you see now that, that, you know, there are a lot more upsets in women's college basketball because the playing field has leveled somewhat. It hasn't leveled to the extent that men's basketball has, but it's getting there. But it's but it speaks to the fact, I mean, 30 years without losing the consecutive games. You know, and you think about this. It's not, you could say, well, it's it's creative scheduling by Gino Auriemma, making sure they're non-conference opponents or teams that they can beat the crap out of. That's not really true when you think about it. They always play the top teams. It speaks more to the level of competition in the conference, in the Big East, and in the American conference that UConn went to when they originally left the Big East before they came back. You know, it tells you that those conferences, top to bottom, are just not very strong. But Marquette gets it done last night. And, you know, Gino Ariema said afterwards he knew right from the beginning that something was was not right about his team. Um, and they ended up getting down early. I think it was 21 to 10. I'll tell you what's not right with the team is that he's playing six people. He only has eight healthy bodies. He still has Caroline Ducharme and AZ Fudd on the bench with uh, one with a concussion, the other with a knee. And he's playing six players, and he's asking these women to play between 38 and 40 minutes a night. They are tired. You can't do that three, four times a week and still have something left in the tank. They looked about as tired as a team could possibly be. Look, they expended a lot of effort on Sunday, losing to number one North Carolina. They lost to them by four points. They left everything out on that floor. So they didn't have much left when it came to Marquette. And I, you know, look, and I'm sure they were hoping Marquette was just going to roll over and die. 
UConn knows, but UConn knows better than that. They always have the target on their back. And uh, look, um, they were seventy-four and zero since <laughs> seventy-four and zero after losing games since they lost consecutive games. It's unbelievable. Uh, and they had just jumped up to number four in the poll. They'll be out of the top five after losing to Marquette, who was unranked. And, and look, Marquette's nine and six in the Big East. You know, they're sixteen and eight overall. It's not like they lost to a you know a one and twenty-one team. You know, Marquette is is a is a good team. As these things go. They're not. They're not in the uh, the class of the top ten. They were last night, but that's because UConn just, you know, the the injuries have caught up to them. It's as simple as that. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> I kept expecting them to come back and win. It's just like you know, you're just so used to that happening. I just expected them to come back. So now UConn will try not to lose three in a row. I don't know when the last time they lost three in a row. Uh, but they will uh, try to avoid that. They will play at Georgetown on Saturday. You know, and again, think about it. As I said, this is a team where these girls are playing so much. Well, now they're going to get two days off, and they got to do it again. There was talk that Caroline Ducharme was going to play last night. She did not. I hope to hell she can play on Saturday. Even if she can give them 10, 12, 15 minutes, they need another body out there that can that can be a threat. And right now they don't have it, which is why – Gino's only using six players, and you know the one player off the bench, you know, is playing, you know, eight ten minutes, and you're hoping she doesn't kill you, you know, turn the ball over or do something stupid while you're there, while she's in there. So, you know, unbelievable. Uh, I, I mentioned, forgot to mention this when we were talking about all the NBA trades, uh, because uh, some more are happening. Um, there was just a trade. The Toronto Raptors are going to get uh, uh, Jacob Podel from uh, uh, the San Antonio Spurs for uh, Kem Birch and a 2024 first-round pick and two future second-round picks. So the trade deadline is today at 3 o'clock. So there's liable to be more going on uh, in the next, uh, what, five hours, five and a half hours. Um and one of the guys that is being rumored to maybe be on the move is Peyton Pritchard from the Boston Celtics. Uh, look, Pritchard's been a, a, a good guy off the bench. He's only 25 years old. He's got a lot of upside, but he's only averaging about 13 minutes a game this year. Now, he's been in 38 of the 54 games. He's played a lot more lately because Marcus Smart uh, has that bad ankle. And uh, a, lot of pe- you know, a lot of people want to see the Celtics get another big man. And there's been a lot of rumors that something's going to happen, and Pritchard was one of the names that was often mentioned because he's not very expensive. There is a big upside. He's already had his option picked up for next season, which is only $4 million. So, you know, there's teams that are probably going to be very, very interested in him. Here's the problem. If Jalen Brown really has a facial fracture and is going to be out for an extended period of time, Peyton Pritchard now becomes that much more important. It makes it less likely that the Celtics are going to want to move him. Look, the Celtics have things going in the right direction. I don't think they're going to want to make a mistake here and put themselves in a position, uh, you know, where they they blow they blow their chance at an NBA championship. But they do have some problems with a big man. Look, Al Horford hasn't been playing. He's got a bad knee. Uh, Robert Williams also didn't play. Another big man. So they are really, you know, really struggling. I mean, Grant Williams played power forward last night, and Blake Griffin had to start at center. So this is where the Celtics are at. 
Peyton Pritchard might be a guy in the move. And look, Pritchard said he loves being with the Celtics, but he wants to play. It's not a question of not wanting to be in Boston. He says, I just want to be somewhere where I can play. Who can blame him? You know, I mean, it's easy for me to say, hey, you're making a couple of million dollars to not play. But that's not what these guys think about. I mean, they're they're competitors. They want to play. It's be like, hey, look, when I when I was uh, you know I'm thirty when I was thirty five or forty years old and playing you know uh, in a local softball league, I wanted to play. I did, but I you know if I had been a, you know riding the bench, I'd have been pissed. You know, if you're playing a game, you want to play. It's not about the money. It's about the the competition. So uh, we'll see. But I think it makes it less likely uh, that that's going to happen. Um, interesting article this morning in the Boston Globe, if you haven't read it. I, you know, Dan Shaughnessy, the columnist for the Globe, has been there uh, since, I think, probably since I was in college. He's been there forever. Um, and he is a very polarizing guy. He's very sarcastic. He tends to be a half-glass-empty kind of guy uh, when it comes to things all the time. So, you know, but I, he's, a good, he's a good writer is what he is. And he's not, he's actually a pretty good guy. Um, when I was working at Fenway Park and in the press box, and I you know I got to talk to him a few times. Nice guy. Um, but he had an article this morning about sports betting, and he's and he said, "Look, I've raged against it for years." You know, he said when Bart Giamatti banned Pete Rose, he was all for it. He said, "I believe that betting corrupts sports." He said it makes normally sane folks spit on referees and umpires. He's not wrong. Betting is never aligned with my love of the games we watch. Look, a lot of the the crap that we hear now about, you know, the latest thing about, well, there's a whole, there's a there's a script for your NFL games. I mean, I know a lot of people are it's tongue in cheek, you know, but when you know teams aren't going for touchdowns at the end to cover the spread or you know you know maybe uh late in a game in a basketball game you know the spread is 3 and you're only up by 2 and you just uh you know you don't even try to shoot the basketball just you know those kinds of things it makes people lose their minds because they've got money riding on it but as as Dan Shaughnessy says this morning, he said, "Look, he says I, you know, he's basically saying I've thrown up the white flag." He said it's everywhere. You know, he said it's it's mainstream, it's state sanctioned for God's sake, because now all the states are passing legalized gambling. He said, "You know, think about this." Baseball Commissioner Rob Manfred, the sport that once banned Mickey Mantle and Willie Mays for being casino greeters, and I remember that. He said, he said, Rob Manfred loves gambling more than I love ice cream. <laughs> Roger Goodell, who runs the league, the NFL that once suspended uh, Paul Horning and Alex Karras for a season for betting on games in the early 1960s. He said he loves gambling more than Dan Shaughnessy he loves chocolate chips. <laughs> uh, he's right, though. Think about that. These leagues are all in bed with gambling, and I don't think it's a good idea. I, and, and look, I've got friends that are into it, uh, you know, and, and God bless you. You know, it's, it's one of those things where um, I'm just of the mind, if you can't afford to lose it, don't gamble it because you're going to lose it. 
Gambling is for suckers. The number of people that make money gambling is far exponentially exceeded by the number of people that lose money gambling. And unfortunately, included in that are a lot of people that have a gambling problem. It becomes an addiction, and they lose everything. And he said, you know, look, he said it's gotten to a point where states have said, well, you know, if you can't control your high-risk habit, we'll just take a percentage of your losses because that's what the states are doing. This casino um, in Massachusetts, Encore, um, has generated more than $500 million in tax revenue since opening in June of 2019. He said there's 3,000 people that work there. The casino has attributed more than $35 million in aid to, to the greater Boston communities. He said, you know, what am I going to do? You know, he said, so, uh, and he, he, he made his first ever bet. He went in there and put $20 down on the Lakers to beat the Thunder. The Lakers, I think, were favored by six. He put 20 bucks down on the Lakers, figuring it was easy bet. Guess what? Thunder beat the Lakers by three. And he said, I'll try to expense the loss, but I'm pretty sure it'll it'll bounce back from the corporate bean counters. The IRS uh, probably frowns when the word wager appears on it as a deduction. (laughs) But look, he's right. And, and, And I am not a fan of gambling. Sports gambling, I still think that there it breeds corruption. I do. I and I think and not just breeds corruption, it breeds malcontent, it breeds conspiracy theories, it breeds the kind of crap I don't want to read about. But again, like Dan Shaughnessy, there's not a damn thing I can do about it. And if people want to go out and spend all their money and throw their money away, that's up to them. You know, and, and as I said, I've got some friends that are into it quite a bit, and God bless them. You know, I don't judge them for what they do. It's not something for me. I don't believe that we should have sports betting uh, attached to ballparks, as we are now seeing uh, in the major leagues. We are actually having sports books as part of a ballpark. That's, you know, to me, there's just there's something wrong with that. You know, but you say, hey, Gene, it's been, you know, it's been all over the world. I mean, it, England, I mean, good Lord, that's like the national pastime is they wager on everything. And that's what we're doing here. You look in now, you look in the paper. I read, I still get the Hartford Current, even though I live in North Carolina. I still get my old Connecticut paper. Uh, I read it online. Not only do they have the odds for the game uh, listed in the you know the bookmaker section there. They also have all the prop bets like you know uh, rushing touchdowns by the two quarterbacks, over unders, and uh, passing yards, and all. they have all that stuff listed in there now too. What a waste of space! Forty-seven minutes past. Yeah, we're going to take another break. We're back in a minute. You're listening to the Wake Up Call on Sports Country. <laughs> 